Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Thursday, August the 3rd, and our top story today is that a mum from Westmoreland has hit out at a special educational needs school after they denied her son a place. Ten-year-old Hector has autism, and his mum, Rosie Gilmoss, has been hoping to send him to West Heath School in Sevenoaks. She wanted that school specifically because it's said to specialise in helping children whose learning has been impacted by trauma. Now, Hector's dad died in a tragic scuba diving accident when Hector was just five. Well, Rosie applied for a place, but was told Hector would struggle to access the curriculum. She's told the podcast that's simply not the case. Hector has been managing within a provision within a mainstream school, and he is currently working at Expected. But as he gets older, we are noticing some signs of emotional deregulation, which potentially come from the death of his father. Now, I was introduced to West Heath School, who claim to support children like Hector, children who have had a bereavement, who have got some neurological diversity, or perhaps have been through a significant trauma. On the website, they list their criteria. Now, Hector meets five of their requirements and none of the conditions that they cannot support. So when he was invited in to do two trial days, we were very excited because this school claims to support children just like him, to give them access to therapies and support and but also to help them to grow academically to give them a runway to fly is how I viewed it I viewed it as a sort of port in a storm you know this lighthouse that was going to give my child what he needed following his two sessions his two half day sessions um, and a team's meeting with the head of the school we received a very blunt email simply saying um, they were unable to meet Hector's needs because he was unable to access the curriculum I vehemently dispute this my son is accessing the curriculum in a class of 30 children They had four in the entire year that he would have been joining. Then when I asked for more information, told me that I would need to wait 28 days and refused to engage with me further. Obviously, I'm frustrated from a personal perspective. Of course I am. This is my child, but my child will be okay. I will be able to source a provision for him, even if it means doing it myself. The provision in Kent, unfortunately, particularly is is woefully underprepared for the, the need. But... I also feel that somebody has to be held accountable here. Well, Rosie says she's been left with no other choice but to enrol Hector in an online programme and do schooling from home. She's also been in touch with her local MP, Tom Tugendhat. He's written to the school outlining the concerns and has told Kent Online he's working with Mrs Gilmoss to get the most appropriate school place for her son. The principal of the school didn't respond to our request for a comment, but a letter from the principal to Mr Tugendhat says this. We always aim to make decisions which we feel are in the best interest of the child and would not want to accept a student whose placements may break down and cause more trauma. The school understands that Mrs Gilmoss is upset with the decision not to offer Hector a place, but the school firmly believes Hector may benefit from a provision that would enable him to experience a higher level of control over his learning where it can be more child-led and therapeutic in nature. 
I trust you understand and acknowledge that the school, as previously advised, always aims to make decisions which are in the best interest of the child. Sadly, we cannot accept every prospective pupil. You can also read this story in full today by heading to the website. Kent Online News. At the top stories now, and two people have been cut free from an overturned van following a crash on the M20. Police, paramedics and three fire engines were called to the coastbound stretch between Ashford and Hythe yesterday. The road was closed for about three hours, causing long delays during the very wet and windy weather. A man's been spoken to by police after following a drunk woman to a taxi rank after a night out in Rochester. He was trying to get her to come home with him when officers intervened as part of an undercover operation to keep women and girls safe. They also arrested another man who was found with 60 bags of cocaine and £1,000 in cash. They helped a 13-year-old boy too who was seen wandering down the high street at midnight. Mental health wards at three Kent hospitals have been issued with a warning over their use of sedation. Inspectors visited Littlebrook in Dartford, Priority House in Maidstone and St Martin's in Canterbury and raised concerns about the way people's health was managed after a rapid tranquillisation. Well, the wards were rated inadequate, but the trust that runs them says measures have already been put in place to resolve the issues. Now, another report out today has revealed that foreign prisoners are being held past their sentence at HMP Maidstone because of delays in the immigration system. The Home Office has also been criticised for poor communication with inmates as some key documents are only being provided in English. David Skinner is chair of the Independent Monitoring Board. I mean, I think the first and most important key finding is that the prison is safe um, and that uh, in general prisoners are treated humanely and justly and the uh, and the prison officers do a, a, as good a job as they can um, with the limited resources that they've got. So I think it's important to state that uh, up front. Um, but there are some problems. We've had in the region of 30 prisoners who have actually completed their sentence but have not been uh, released or sent back to their country because the Immigration Department, the Home Office, still has interest in them. Um, we've also had a, there's also a, a scheme for foreign national prisoners who have completed a certain amount of their sentence who are then able to go back to their country early, if you like. Um, and again, we've had people who are ready to go back but are still being held. Now, this has got two big problems. Um, one, kind of clearly, it adds to the anxiety and stress of the individuals who are affected by it. They don't know when their sentence comes to an end. Uh, but it also, frankly, adds to the cost to you and me and other taxpayers, because we're holding people in Maidstone prison who could be sent back to their country of origin. Um, so that, I think, is the first of the, uh, of, of the big issues. The second relates to the need for meaningful activity. So if you're in prison, um, you need to um, be doing something. Um, you need to be uh, keeping yourself occupied. You need to be trying to improve yourself in order to uh, benefit when you are released. Um, and this is referred to essentially as meaningful activity. Um, now, there are in Maidstone about 400 opportunities for meaningful activity. There are 600 prisoners. So that means about a third of the prisoners don't have um, the opportunity for meaningful activity, which is uh, which is 
a shame. It's, 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 it's not helpful for the prisoners. It doesn't help relieve their anxiety and stress, and it's not doing much to, um, to, to move them forward. As you can imagine, there's a lot of um, bureaucracy uh, uh, in, involved with your immigration status. You have to fill in forms, you have to, to make applications and so on. Um, and that's complicated, legally, uh, legally difficult, lots of legal language in it, um, and really important. You get the, if you say the wrong thing or if you misrepresent yourself, then you, it can have a, a, a significant effect on you. Now, the difficulty there is that for a national prison, uh, English is not the first language of the majority of the of the prisoners there, um, and many of them don't speak very much English at all. And they're being asked to um, complete complicated legal forms in English, where frankly they're not equipped to do so. Um, and the uh, and the Independent Monitoring Board feels that that is um, unfair. That if you are being asked to complete a complicated legal form, you need help with that translation and we think that it's appropriate for that help to be given. We're told the Home Office has already made steps to improve the situation. Kent Online reports. You can follow Kent Online on socials or head to the website today to see the moment teenagers steal sweets and vapes from stores on Sheppey. The owner of four shops in Sheerness says it's costing him £1,500 a month. He says things have also got worse since COVID. We have asked police for a comment. Charities in Kent that support victims of sex attacks and abuse are getting a share of £4 million. It's part of the government's pledge to quadruple the amount of funding for victim support services by 2025. East Kent Rape Crisis Centre and Family Matters are among those being given cash. Now, the number of cats being looked after by the RSPCA in Kent has reached a 10-year high. The charity says it's currently costing them £8,000 a week as they're having to use private boarding facilities in a bid to cope. They're launching an urgent appeal for adopters to come forward. Traders in a part of Canterbury say a six-week road closure is having a huge impact on business. Sturry Hill is shut between Sturry Court Mews and Pope's Lane, so utilities can be connected to a nearby new housing estate. But business owners claim it's led to a huge drop in footfall, and they reckon things will only get worse before it reopens in September. Our reporter, James Pallant, has been chatting to Oliver Moore from the Butcher of Brogdale. So how is this road closure affecting your business, Oliver? Uh, so we've had on and off road closures for about 18 months now. And obviously this one, with Story Hill being shut, virtually cuts our trade in half. We've gone from turning over about £50,000 a week down to 30, 35, um, which for a small family-run business is quite a hit. Um, obviously we've had little help from the council. We've got poor signage up the road, which shows no access to here. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's not just us, it's not just the butchers, the farm shop and the hairdressers I know are moaning. Um, so yeah, it's just difficult, really. And how do you think you're going to get through the next few weeks? Will you have to make changes at your business? Um, I mean, I hope we don't have to lay off staff, but obviously if that is what we need to survive, then it might have to be done. We had Rooks, obviously a very, very big butcher's chain, go bust last year. And I think it's a dying trade as it is, with not a lot of people realising that it is cheaper to shop at butchers. Um, but I hope we don't have to, but if, if we do, then 
some staff might have to go. Well, Kent County Council have told us that the work and signage associated with it is being looked after by a private company. They're called Power on Connections. Kent Online has approached them for a comment. Kent Online reports. Plans to reopen a park and ride in Canterbury have been given the go-ahead. Services from the Sturry Road site will start running again next April. It was mothballed last July with the Conservative administration blaming costs and a drop in passenger numbers at the time. Campaigners have been warned not to celebrate too soon, despite a consultation on planned tip closures in Kent being delayed. Council bosses say they need more time to get documentation together. While we were due to be asked from this month what we thought about shutting up to four sites in a bid to save £1.5 million. Anthony Hook is leader of the Lib Dems at the County Council. I suspect the consultation's been delayed because they're in a mess at meetings of the Environment Transport Committee. Uh, We've taken them apart in terms of pointing out the inconsistencies, the fact that this will do more environmental damage than good, and also the lack of detail. It's claimed that shutting down four tips will save one and a half million, but there's been no detail provided as to which of the four will save what amount and also where those savings will come from and also whether they've uh, taken into account the cost of closures, things like redundancy costs for for laying off staff, which is what they say they're going to do. So I think there's gaping holes in their consultation. They haven't shown councillors a lot of the evidence base that they've got to publish with the consultation. I suspect it's just not ready. In fact, they've said in an email from a KCC manager uh, to councillors, they need more time to to get that ready. So I, I think they know that if they went out to consultation now, what they've got would be inadequate, would fail to be a proper consultation. So for people who don't know, obviously, this public consultation is an important step to these plans potentially being put in place. Um, will it be just a delay, do you think, or will they have a complete rethink? The indefinite delay of the consultation is an amazing victory for those of us who've campaigned against the tip closures. And credit to this goes to every one of the thousands of people who have signed a petition, who took part in the protests at County Hall, or have written to their uh, KCC councillor to object to this. It's that weight of pressure that I think has made them stop and realise they need to be very careful. And we've also intimated to them that we'd be looking at judicial review of the consultation and the decision process. So I think that's what's led to it being pushed back. But we shouldn't be celebrating too soon. I think it's very likely that they will try and revisit this issue perhaps in September or October. And those of us who've campaigned against uh, closing the tips need to be ready then to continue campaigning to make it very clear that closing tips in Kent is completely unacceptable and the people of Kent won't accept it. As Anthony mentioned there, it's thought the consultation could happen later on in the year instead, but clearly the County Council needs to try and make savings to balance the books while Green Councillor Stuart Jeffrey has been speaking to Dan Bishner. There's obviously lots of, of financial struggles and, and I guess the question is, if not the tip, where else can money saving come from, do you think? Um, so so I think there's, and it's very difficult to, to pin down exactly um, the detail of where money can come from, but there are some big, bigger ticket items. So, for example, we know that care services across Kent are struggling. Um, there is no reason that Kent County Council can't set it 
up its own care uh, service um, to provide care for people. Um, it would save money. Um, it, providing a state-run service, a government, local government-run service, is going to save money over the, um, the, the, the the higher prices that will always happen in the private sector. So for, so it could save some cash there. It could save some money from its um, new road-building budget. I mean, we, we, we simply don't need um, and don't want more cars on our road. Um, therefore, um, changing the way that it approaches new roads, for example, could be a good saving and it could really help local people um, with uh, if, if that money was then in, put into public transport. Um, s- simple ideas like that really would help both people and the council um, uh, get around and save money. Um, but but Kent County Council don't seem to be keen on, on, on some of the more straightforward options of, of providing that provision thinking differently um, and, uh, and, and and looking at what's happening elsewhere, um, investing in, 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 as I say, in, in, uh, in bus services, for example, would, would, be, would be great and save everybody a lot of cash. Scientists say there's no doubt climate change is contributing to a shift in butterfly habits in the UK. This year's big counts revealed a 400% increase in the number of red admirals spotted, especially in the south of England. The species usually migrates from warmer countries in northern Africa. A Maidstone pub that struggled to recover from the pandemic could be turned into flats. The Dragoon on Sandling Road closed in January. The building's been sold to developers who've submitted plans to convert it into accommodation. And finally, Mark Sargent set to reopen his restaurant in Folkestone, which suddenly closed earlier this year. The celebrity chef blamed tough trading conditions for the decision to shut Brasserie MS in February. He's now posted on Insta. It'll be welcoming diners again from September under the new name Restaurant MS. Kent Online Sports. Cricket first up. And overly invincibles have got off to the perfect start in the 100 with a narrow victory over London Spirit. The team which represents Kent and Surrey reached their victory target of 132 with one ball left to secure a three-wicket win. While Kent's Sam Billings, who's captain, praised Sunil Nareen for hitting the winning runs. He just shows his quality every year, doesn't he? So quality, cool under pressure and a couple of bits of luck to go away as well. On to football now and the Gillingham chairman has been speaking to the podcast ahead of the start of the new season. The Jills travel to get their campaign underway against League Two title favourite Stockport County on Saturday. Brad Gallinson has been chatting to our sports reporter, Luke Cordell. We've worked hard January um, into the summer, Kenny, Andy and the group. Um, I think we have a real club. I think we have a squad that's going to be competitive. Um, we probably have one or two more to come. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's it's very very strong, and I think I think they've done a terrific job. Mm. You excited for your first season as the first full season as chairman owner? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. I was I was just saying earlier that when we came in, you know, our expectation was to stay in the league, yeah. which was hard. But now the expectation is we're a championship club. When you're getting promoted, it should be this season. If it's not this season, you know. Gallantin out now. Won't be Gallantin out. So yeah, no, very excited. I think everyone is very optimistic. I think um, at the least we'll be quite competitive. Yeah, yeah. Do you think there's a little bit of too much optimism along the funnel? I wouldn't say too much optimism because yeah. I think it's great that yeah. the community club is behind the community is behind the community club. I think though the expectation is sort of the 
what is it, the mightier, the higher you are, the, the, the farther you have to yeah. fall. So, you know, I am a, a bit concerned that, you know, too much too fast. Yeah. Um, but we do have a competitive club. So I think mm. um, as long as, you know, we entertain, we play well on the pitch, I think everyone will be proud of the boys yeah. um, and they can't lose. Yeah. So I know you've talked about you want to get promoted, but I mean, it's not. We must finish top three and that's it, is it? No, no, it's not. I mean, Wembley would be okay too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, um, you know, it's our first season back. We're building a, we're building a squad. Um, I think we'll do the community proud. Yeah. And a promotion would just be sort of icing on that cake that quickly. Yeah. It's almost like you just want the club back on its feet again sort of thing. Yeah, we want people to come and be proud um, of what they're seeing. Um, we want the the boys to continue to be positive in the community um, and really the whole organization to, to get back positively in the community. Um, yeah. and, and I think, you know, it's, it's a slow process. It's starting. Um, and promotion is one part of that, but it's only one of sort of many sort of tentacles to that. You've talked about the community. Are they all recognizing you now? Can you go anywhere without being recognized? Yes. Um, if I wear my sunglasses and hat, I'm usually okay. <laughs> Um, but it's all good. I mean, it's all quite positive and it's people, you can see they're just, they're, they're proud of their club. Yeah. So I represent the club. Um, so it's my pleasure to sort of see that in the community. And you can see even restaurant and pub sales are up. Yeah. Um, you know, things are, good things are happening, you know, to the area because the football club does mm, well. Yeah, yeah. A town wants a decent football club absolutely they? absolutely everyone, yeah it benefits everybody Gillingham's first home league game will be against Accrington Stanley the following Saturday before that there's a Carabao Cup game against Southampton at Priestfield on Tuesday night well that's all from us for today thanks ever so much for listening don't forget you can follow us on Facebook Twitter Instagram TikTok and Threads plus you can get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site by subscribing and to do that you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe and whilst you're on the site today you can check out our very latest eat my words food review news you can trust this is the kent online podcast